Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new Flyers Daily edition for Friday, June 24th. We'll see if the 2021-22 NHL season ends tonight with game number five in Colorado, the Stanley Cup final. The Colorado Avalanche have the defending two-time defending cup champion Lightning on the ropes and we'll see how that plays out coming up this evening. But in this episode, we're going to talk to Bill Meltzer. Usually we talk to Bill on Monday. It's been a little bit of a disjointed schedule this week in the sense that Chuck Fletcher was our guest on Monday. John Tortorella was our guest on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday. If you missed either of those episodes, you can go back and check them out. Uh, but in this episode, let's play catch up with Bill Meltzer. And he joins us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and NHL.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I am doing well. It has been certainly, uh, after a lot of inactivity, it's been a very busy week uh, around here and uh, we'll continue to get busy. Actually, you know, maybe about a half hour before we uh, before we start recording this, the uh, Flyers announced that they've, they've re-signed uh, Felix Sandstrom to a two-year deal. So that's, uh, you know, that, that preempted him as being potentially an unrestricted free agent. And it's a deal that I think makes sense for both sides because the first year of the deal is, is a two-way deal because he, you know, most likely play with the Phantoms at least to start the year. That that is unless uh, you know he has a great camp and uh, Fedotov has a has a rough camp. But uh, in year two, he gets paid the NHL rate regardless. So that's good for him. I mean, that's uh, you know, it made sense for both sides. It 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 uh, you know. Helps the depth in net, so it's it's a little bit under the radar. It's it's definitely a depth signing, but I thought it, I thought it was an interesting signing because it seemed for a while that you know he was either going to head back to Europe, which he almost did a year ago, or you know it would be a situation where the Phantoms are scrambling a little bit just in just in case Samuel Erson isn't healthy. So I thought that I thought that was interesting, and then there's a lot of stuff going on at the NHL level too. Yeah, you know the, the thing with the Sandstrom contract, the two way year one it really allows the team a lot of flexibility in this yep. deal and allows the player to continue playing here in north america and keep trying to push it all the way over the goal line uh, people don't recall you know they drafted him in 2015 they've had him ever since they drafted him yep. and kendilla ball flyers goaltending coach uh has worked with him ever since then too and really likes the progress that he's made will he be an nhler we shall see um one of the things that kind of came out of tuesday too bill in speaking with john tortorella um not on the interview that I did, but just speaking with him, it looks like Kim Dillaball will remain as the Flyers' goaltending coach. Like he said right away, he said, I don't know the first thing about goaltending, <laughs> uh, but I know that you know Kim's very well respected. He has a good relationship with Carter Hart, and that's an area that is not going to change. He still has to fill out his coaching staff, uh, but it looks like Dilly's going to remain on and uh, work with Carter Hart going forward and whoever else is in that Flyers' goaltending room. Yeah, and I mean, the the – as you know, the goalie goalie coach relationship is a pretty unique and special one. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have something that works and they're comfortable working together, and they've uh, you know they've 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 come to uh, a routine for the off season too that they did a year ago that that'll carry over this year. So it made it made a lot of sense just to keep some continuity there. Um, you know now if it you know if the Flyers had hired Barry Trotz then you probably may have had a, a goalie change because he takes Mitch Gorn pretty much wherever he goes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but, but with the hiring, uh, the hiring of torts, it made, made a lot of sense that there's, there's continuity. So that's, uh, you know, really, it's really just a question, mainly a matter of, okay, who will be the, 
coaching the forwards, who will be coaching the defense, the PK, the power play. I mean, those are uh, those are the areas that are really, you know, remain to be seen. And, uh, you know, Tortorella and, and to an extent also um, Chuck Fletcher indicated that that decision is not going to be made right away. They're talking over some candidates, want to see who's who's out there. And so they're not going to rush right into that. But I would I would think that in the within a few weeks to come, that'll be that'll take shape, too. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because John Tortorella said on Tuesday that he's got his entire training camp preparation done. <laughs> and and we know that he is a diligent preparer of practice and maximizing every on-ice session, every on-ice minute for that matter. Yeah. Um, to, so that, that, that part's done, but getting that you know remaining staff in here is a big element because the one area John Tortorella has kind of struggled in has been power play, Bill. And you sent me a name. And there was some movement around the NHL in the past couple of days. Andrew Brunette, who took over for Joe Quenville, ends up uh, keeping that team on the rails all the way to a president's trophy. Now, they get knocked out in the second round. There's not a ton of experience as a head coach for Andrew Brunette, uh, who was then in Florida. They hired Paul Maurice. Um, it remains to be seen if Brunette's going to stay on with the Panthers. I tend to doubt it. That seems like an uncomfortable situation. But he may be a perfect candidate to be a Flyers assistant coach and kind of coach in waiting, learning under John Tortorella, and running the power play here as well. Yeah, and I would think the first the first order of business will be, uh, you know, Brunette may want to see if there's other head coaching opportunities out there. He did, you know, he was a Jack Adams finalist this year. And, uh, you know, and certainly, as you said, I mean, they, he was able to ride it all the way to a president's trophy after, uh, you know, after Quenville had to step down. So maybe there'll be an opportunity out there. If not, I, I think the Flyers are a very good fit for him. Um, a, because when he first became an, uh, an assistant coach, he was hired by Chuck Fletcher in in, in uh, Minnesota. Um, he ran the power play for Florida under under Quenville. Uh, we saw, you know, at least during the regular season, the success that Florida had. That's an area the Flyers need an upgrade. And... You know, Brunette is still in his 40s. We know, you know, towards as energetic as he is, is uh, I think he turned 64 this week. Tomorrow. So, uh, so uh, today technically. <laughs> uh, okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, you know, so I mean, he's he's not going to coach forever. Uh, with, you know, there might be another. So I, I mean, when I looked at the relationship that that uh, Torts had, you know, that he had Michael Salt with Mike Sullivan, who did have a head coaching stint before he when he worked with Tortorella and they were together for a number of years and then uh Sullivan parlayed that in the opportunity with with Pittsburgh where he's taken and run with it um so you know I said with with Burnett still in his 40s you know you you coach uh side by side with Tortorella for a few years and whether it's here or somewhere else maybe he's groomed for another head coaching opportunity um you know someplace else I you know I I do think he was, uh, as a head coach, he was a little outcoached by John Cooper in, in that playoff series. Yep. That was the only reason that that uh, Tampa won and Florida lost. That there's a playoff experience factor, and you know, and, and a lot of other things. But um, you know, it, it's funny with the Jack Adams because there's a history of guys who win the Jack Adams who they, they don't necessarily stay along with the team after they win it. Yeah, um, I think Billy Barber with the Flyers, right? He won it. And then he was out a year later, and you know, and then there was never, never, was never yeah, there was, there was never another head coaching opportunity for him after that. It's, uh, you know, it, it's really a lot of it is just 
being right time, right place. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think there's a match there. If there's, if there's not another opportunity, just there'd be a comfort level working together and that I think would, would take shape and it fits, fits a flyer's need. Now, whether there are any discussions along those lines, I have no idea, but I, but I do think that brunette and the flyers would be a, would be a good fit for, you know, at least for a couple of years. Yeah, I do as well. Um, you know, you look, you make you mention Mike Sullivan, and I think he worked with Tortorella six or seven years. Yeah. And you can just see the elements of Tortorella that Sullivan, you know, he's not trying to be John Tortorella, but you see the elements or influence of John yeah, Tortorella sure. in the way he coaches and the way he speaks to his players and the accountability. And that's, like Tort said, that's not an easy job in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of management that goes on with that job when you got star players. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Torts mentioned, both when I spoke with him, Bill, I think he mentioned in his introductory press conference, he mentioned it in our kind of off-the-record conversation downstairs in the Flyers locker room, is that he's got to get the, the Flyers locker room in order. I think he used the word splintered uh, at one point, but the locker room is probably something he's going to attack right away because without it, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. You yeah. have to have that yeah. that. that unit and those guys playing for each other and you yeah. can say it and say oh well that guy stuck up for that guy they're playing for each other well a lot of the times that's bullshit it's got to be more than that and yeah. he has sensed something and he's going to attack it yeah um you know and and uh i mean uh you know without without naming names i think there's an obvious player on the the top end of the you know the top end of the roster who um you know wasn't necessarily happy at times last year, particularly, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and getting getting a unified sense of purpose and, and buy-in has has to be top of the list because if you don't do that, then you have to move the player. Period. Uh, you know, yeah. regardless of a player's skill level or how many minutes he absorbs or whatever the case might be, yeah, value doesn't matter. If he's not on the same page as everybody else, and and he's you know, and then there's finger pointing, you can't have it. You just you just can't, and it's. Uh, you know, and maybe you know, maybe I mean, ultimately, the Flyers will be a better be a better team for it if you can get everybody on the same page. And I do think that's something that needs to be addressed right off the top. I I, I think that that's critical, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I, I do too. And it's something that you know, you it it doesn't get fixed overnight. There's a foundational element to it, and it takes time and trust really to build that room into what it needs to be. Um, it, all in all, when you look back at the past week and a half now since John Tortorella has been named, how would you describe that week of him being introduced as the 23rd head coach in Philadelphia Flyers history? I, I mean, I would say that it was – I mean, listen, uh, I think that you learned a lot about John Tortorella as a person. Um, you know, you saw a little bit of the other side. Of Tortorella, and, and he was he was very relaxed, and he was very forthcoming, and very analytical, and and very, you know, I I, I think he spelled out what he wants to do. You saw a little bit, of, you know, you saw a little bit of the other part too, where, you know, it's like, yeah, you guys aren't backing me into a corner to say so and so. I mean, that that's just torts. I, I think he was very genuine. He was himself. Yeah, he drew the um, line absolutely. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think that that's what can be expected. I I think that. I think that the fact that he has a prominent player on the roster who's already played for him, a guy who advocated for him, I'm talking, of course, about Cam Atkinson, right? Atkinson is a very respected figure in the room. I mean, I, 
Tortorella can get by, you know, I mean, you're, you're either going to do it his way. Or you're just not going to play for that team. That's just, that's just the reality. But I think that, um, I think that the players are asking for structure. I think they're, I think they're going to come in with a sense of, okay, this is, these are the expectations, right? And they're going to be pushed and it's not going to always be fun and not going to always be a pleasant conversation. Ultimately, they, they know two things. They're going to know what's expected of them very clearly. And they're, they're, they're also going to know that, hey, you know, it, it, it's strictly it's strictly hockey. It's strictly professional. It's nothing personal. And that that's what that is why players can play for a, you know, a hard coach, so to speak, and and be fine with it as long as long as they don't feel like they're personally attacked. Yeah. And as long as it's I mean, you know, as long as long as the players embrace that and keep that in mind and, and view the bigger picture, I see no reason why it, it can't work for, you know, for several seasons. Um, but cer- certainly the first season. Uh, I mean, worked with AV for a year. I see no reason why it, it can't work off the bat with John Tortorella. The key is going to be sustaining it over the long haul. And ultimately, you know, what, what will drive uh, – and, and John Tortorella said it himself, right? How long this – you know, whatever, whatever this process, whether you call it a rebuild or whatever you want to call it, is going to take is going to be driven by the results. Yep. Um, that, that that's what determines yeah. whether where you are. Yeah. So you know they and the the team will react accordingly. We see when certain head coaches get hired in certain areas, and we can just go right back to AV as you mentioned. There are certain guys that you go, okay, that guy's the head coach now. He's probably going to want to grab a few of his guys. Yeah. You know, AV. They brought in Kevin Hayes right away. He's got Atkinson here already. Um, but you know, through these tenure, like we saw it last year, you see Yandel. You see Derek Broussard. You yeah. see these guys that, when you look on Hockey Reference, you go, "Oh, he played for AV for three years here yeah. or there." Yeah. Uh, could we see some of that more John Tortorella type players added to the roster? Not necessarily just his type of players, but maybe some guys that actually played for him. I think so. I think that that's always, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of a truism across hockey that coaches have players who. You know who they've trusted in the past. They, All right, we'll take Warinsky. Yeah, <laughs> You're right, right. Yeah, as, as with thirty other teams. But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, that that certainly is the case. I mean, uh, you know, as soon as Anderson's name came up, just as one, it's like, oh, you yeah, you know what? I could see that. I could see that. Oof. I could see that. A bruising player, man. <laughs> like, there's not many guys in the league. That, you know, Torts brought him up and talked about him and Tom Wilson that. Yeah. can skate but like they're bruising players to play against um yeah it's been it's been just an absolute whirlwind of a week and in talking to chuck fletcher last week you know he mentioned that you know you go from this process to now the draft which is coming up on july 7th as we're getting ready to wrap up this cup maybe as soon as tomorrow and then you're going to go right into free agency and then we're going to fall off a cliff until captain skates and players start reporting for camp. I guess they won't be called captain skates because they won't have one yet, but um, nonetheless, you know, somebody did say to me that they expect Chuck Fletcher or he expects Chuck Fletcher to be still extremely aggressive in turning over this roster or upgrading this roster this off season. And And I'm not sure how I feel about that info. Yeah. If there's opportunity there, Bill, grab it. Right. But I also, I have to be really strategic, not desperate, and do this right. Because, like, to bring it's a name. You and I going back and forth about to bring it. 
yeah, he's a 40 goal scorer. He's going to be due 9 million as a, a qualifying offer on his way to UFA status. He's not a center, you know, all of these things. I think you got to be really strategic in all of your elements here on how you're going to build this thing and not just grab the shiny toy that's out there and available in the moment. I I agree. I think you have to think big picture and the Brinkett is a perfect example because you said 40 goals, 40 goal scoring winger, you know, still young, still 24 years old. And then you think, well, you know, Oh, well go for it. But a, the price tag is going to be extraordinarily high. Um, B, as you said, after he's, you know, he's a restricted free, he's signed for one more year and then he's a restricted free agent who's going to require a $9 million qualifying offer, which you could simply take. Yeah. And then he's, then he's an unrestricted free agent a year after that for the price tag that you have to trade to get the player, you know, and, and, uh, if you're, you know, that, that's just, that's just a huge risk to get the guy have to budget $9 million for the year after next and then potentially lose the guy. And, and he, it's all ball solely in his court. If he doesn't want to extend, he doesn't have to extend. And he can go get, you know, if he continues to produce, continues to be a 30, 40 goal guy, then he's going to go in the open market and, and he'll, you know, he'll name his price because he'll still only be, what, about 27, 26, 27 years old at that time. Venus Prime. You know, and, and then you've traded – all kinds of assets. You get a fraction back if you move him at the deadline. You know, it's just it, it's it's short sighted. As it's a good case of looking at the looking at the bigger picture. Um, you know what what does what does the team need? I mean, uh, I still think the number one priority this offseason to me is uh, you know it, it's Ryan Ellis insurance. Yeah, I, I you know, and uh, you you can't you can only fill so many needs in one offseason. What happened? Back in 2007, you know, it's very, it's it's very, 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 very hard to duplicate and turn things around in a year and then stay a contender for five years after that. It's not really a model even you know the current flyers can follow. I think that you have to be systematic. You have to do it with a view in mind of not just the media cap space but also long term cap space. Um, you know, there there will come a time, hopefully, within a couple of years. Where you might, you know, you might be in position to go at a big name on the market. I don't think this is the off season to go after a Johnny Goudreau. As much as people would love to bring him, you know, bring him back to his home area, I, I don't, I don't think that the, you know, that it, the, the fit for the bigger picture is there. And I think you, you have to keep the bigger picture in mind as well as, as well as the immediate. And I mean, I, I think that I really do think that as much talk as uh, aggressive retool, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, you know, I think it's lost meaning yeah. or never, maybe it never had meaning. <laughs> I, 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 I really, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that gets churned out all the time. I, I think it's based on reality and what's available and what what makes sense, not just for twenty two, twenty three, but for years beyond that as well. So. I don't. I personally don't think there's any quick fixes. I, I do think that I do think that what's fixable in the immediate term is competitiveness, goals against average, and just just a team mindset that you're not going to be an easy. You're not going to be anybody's easy out. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's culture you, in a way. <laughs> yeah, right. And that and, and you don't you don't need a you don't need a ton of high end talent to do that. Yeah. You know the. I mean, uh, you know. You, you go back to before, you know, and I, I'm, I'm the team that I'm 
second most familiar with is Dallas after, after the Flyers. You know, for a number of years when the team was in bankruptcy and, you know, there was, there was Jamie Ben and then there was Ben and Sagan and really very little else. Yeah. They, they were, they were called the pesky stars because they, they were in, you know, they were right in the playoff chase towards the end. They just didn't have enough talent to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. This is and before Radulov even. Yeah. Yeah, it was exactly, exactly. They, and they, they built from there, but the first, the first thing they did was that they established themselves as a hard team to play against. And they had a talent on top of that. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, everything is a different situation, but the point is that, that that's what's within a team's control. You might not have the top players in your division or the conference, and that, that takes time to reestablish. But one thing you do control is the way that you play. Yeah. So that's, um, that's something that I think is reachable, doable, and an immediate goal. And the, the selection of John Tortorella as a coach reflects that, that that is what they're aiming for. Um, yeah. In terms of what they can do with the roster, I mean, uh, you know, thank, thank, you know, I'm not the one paid to make those decisions, but, um, but I, I don't, I don't know what's immediately doable and what can be done over two years or three years or what the case might be. Yeah. I mean, you have to look, this is a puzzle that has many more pieces than just what we see on its face. You know, I see the people on Twitter, you know, there's a 40 goal scorer. This team needs to score goals in to bring it. If you don't want to bring it, then you're not a true fan. Like I, I go, okay. Like I want to bring it. I, yeah. Like I love a forty goal scorer, yeah. but I also have to figure. Okay, I have two centers in Couturier and Hayes mm. that are up there in years. Yeah, they, there's a lot of term left on both of those deals at the center position. I don't have a tremendous amount of center depth, not only right. you know with this team, but organizationally. Yeah. Number two, and I, I have to figure out how I allocate dollars going forward. Yeah, Carter Hart's on a bridge deal. Sandheim's coming up. Like all these things, I have to figure it out. It's not just as simple as saying, hey, there's a 40 goal scorer available. Uh, mm-hmm. Treat Travis Connecty in the fifth overall pick and get him. It doesn't work like that. Right. There's yeah, so then, many layers to the equation that you have to you have to factor it all in. And I just don't think yeah. the Flyers Twitter is capable of doing that in, in a lot of cases. No, I, I, I could not agree more. Preaching to the choir here. Um, you know, in a different era, before the cap, mm-hmm. Johnny Goodrow would have been a flyer. Oh, no, doubt. no, no question. If, yep. You know, pre-cap, no, no doubt about it. Johnny Goodrow, Philip Forsberg, and right. whoever else they wanted would have been yeah. right. And that's just, it's just that uh, you don't, you don't operate under that. You, you can't operate under that anymore. Um, you know, and teams have found certain loopholes around there, which is, I, I, I think in the next CBA they're going to try to do something to curb the long-term injured reserve abuse. Yeah. I mean, you, and you just saw with Shea Weber, who's probably never going to play again. Yeah. Just you know, moved. You know, he, he, he gets moved. Why, why for the, you know, for the cap allowance to exceed the cap. That's. Well, that's the Flyers are in a position to maybe, maybe they can take advantage of the LTIR next year. If Ellis can't go, he goes yeah. to LTIR and you got that cap space, right. but you got to know that going in. So you use that cap space right. to fill the void that takes place on the ice without him. For sure, for sure, and and uh, you know, yeah, and you were saying too about the need for a center, which I agree with, and they could use another scoring winger. I mean, at some point, you need contributing talent that's on that's on uh, you know that's on cost friendly, uh, it's on cap friendly deals. Yeah. You need younger players. You know, yeah. this is a big, big year. The Flyers can, if the Flyers can take what they saw in the the last twelve games with. Uh, with that line with Tippett and Frost and and whether it's Cates or Farabee plays in that line or, or whatever, 
and you get a productive line out of that, then all of a sudden you're looking at a much better hockey team, much deeper hockey team. Doesn't mean they have to lead the way. Your key players are still going to be, you know, guys like Couturier and and um, you know and, and Sandheim, as you said, is coming up an unrestricted free agency, and he's coming off of the Barry Ashby Trophy, and you have to think about he's unrestricted in the year, all those things. But if you can get if you can get some better some better contributions out of your younger, cost-effective guys, if if a Wade Allison can come up and make some contributions, then all of a sudden you're looking at a better hockey team and. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't break your cap picture either. I think yeah, I think you need I think think you need to take some leaps of faith here and hope some of these young players do take that next step because there isn't the cap space necessarily to to go out and, and go at go at a cadre type or a, or Forsberg type or whoever. That's just uh, you know, when when the Flyers have committed what they have committed to Couturier and to Hayes as the first and second centers, you know, you're you're looking at taking where you can create some cap space and spending it elsewhere. You just, you just have to. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, this is great. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll talk again over the weekend for Monday's episode as we'll get back on schedule. Since the NHL is going back to schedule, uh, the normal calendar, we're going to do that as well starting next week. Um, Bill, thanks for doing this. HockeyBuzz.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and NHL.com is where you can read Bill's work. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week on a brand new Flyers Tale. 